Hey, what's up, everybody? David Bell here. Welcome to episode 52 of the Pocket Mastermind podcast. On this episode, I'm speaking with online entrepreneur Tom Leibelt. Tom was born in Poland and moved with his family at the age of 10 to the US to escape communism. And growing up, he watched his parents take any job that they could just to survive. And he decided that wasn't going to be the life that he wanted to pursue. Since then, Tom has taken a very varied career from Kindle book publishing. He's owned a coffee shop, a retail store, a record label, and also made a documentary, all bootstrapped with no outside funding. Um, Tom now spends most of his time in Chiang Mai in Thailand where he runs his business Smart Brand Marketing and in this conversation we discuss the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur, um, when it's time to stop the hustle and how to progress for longevity and scalability in the online entrepreneurial space uh, amongst many other things. Now if you're looking to start an online business or a side hustle um, you're going to get a lot of value from this conversation so listen right to the end. Uh, and please remember to leave us a review, uh, subscribe and share with your friends. And with that, let's get on with the show. So the big question is this, how do ordinary people like us that weren't born into money create true financial freedom, take back control of our lives and live a life full of purpose, meaning and fulfillment? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I learn, apply, and share the strategies that the wealthy know and use that the rest of us weren't taught to create true financial freedom. My name is David Bell, and welcome to Pocket Mastermind. Tom, very warm welcome to the Pocket Mastermind podcast. How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. No, really good to speak to you. So um, we were just talking a bit before um, around what we're going to what we're really going to discuss today. And uh, you've got quite a long and varied background. Your journey has definitely not been straight. Probably the the you know the picture you see of the entrepreneur, like what people think is the straight line, and then the reality. Um, I think it's probably your background. So share a bit, a bit, you know, a kind of a, a snapshot because it is quite a big journey of what, where you've been and now what you're doing today and how, you know, can you share the journey of how you got there a bit? Yeah, I mean, I've actually been thinking about that too, you know, the, those lines, like yeah. what they do with a straight line and then the, <laughs> yeah. I think most of that comes from this hustle mentality that we have, right? And we do... One hour of thinking, F that, and 39 hours of action, right? Yeah. And that's, that's when you just kind of, you know, go off the rails and, you know, like, oh, where am I now? Where, like, the, the right way to do things is usually, you know, think about it for 39 hours and then just act on it for one hour and just go straight in that direction. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, my life's been more on the action side for a long time, right? Which is most people. That's what we do, right? Yeah. The hustle culture is strong. And what do you think? That, and does that do you think that meant that through the journey? That's why the journey became more varied because you've kind of bounced from one action to another action. Sort of. So there's a couple of things, right? Like you've got to look at the age groups as well, right? Like when you're younger, 
your job is to try a lot of things, you know, to learn skills, to get into different situations. And then, you know, like when you're a little older, kind of collect all that knowledge and, and stuff and finally try to, you know, hit those very, I would say, not niches, but, but mm-hmm. like, it's kind of when you go all in, right? So initially it's like, you know, don't keep your eggs in one basket. That's, that's the right motto. Yeah. And then it's do the one thing, right? But you move depending on age. Like you don't necessarily want to focus on the one thing when you're 20. Mm-hmm. Cause when it doesn't work out, like you kind of like, Oh man, like what now? Like I haven't really figured things out. Now I'm 30 figuring it out. So it kind of depends on the age. So that was really me. Like when I was between 16 and 30, it was just hustle left and right, man. If I see an opportunity, I'm in it. Like I had a record store. I did music. I filmed a documentary. I opened a, a record label. I opened a coffee shop. I, it was, I was all over, man. Like I, I did my corporate stint too in sales. Like I, wanted to learn skills also other than just doing business. And I, I thought, you know, in my twenties, the one thing I want to do, I was always good at sales, but I didn't understand why it was working. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm going to go to all these corporate places and they'll teach me sales, all these big corporations they have, you know, like, uh, not really schools, but they have kind of like little boot camps before you start. Yeah. Like training academy type. Yeah. Sort of like between like a week or maybe a month, like some of them would actually fly me out to these boot camps where we would like four weeks or six weeks. So what I did is I, you know, got hired, did the boot camp, got into the job, made some sales, try to hit goal because you have goals in every sales Mm -hmm. job. Right. And quit and move on to the next one. Like they hated me. But I was like, look, we're both taking advantage of each other. Like I'm a number for you and you're a number for me. So, yep. you know, it's good. It's a win-win in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they didn't really share they didn't that. See it the same way. <laughs> no, they didn't see it. But I was like, look, it is what it is, right? Exactly. It's a game. Um, yeah. But that's like what you do in your twenties. Yeah. Right. And with me, um, there are two other factors. I was born in Poland and we moved to the States when I was 10. So, you know, the big dream of my parents and all the Polish people I knew is you go to America, you make a lot of money, you mm-hmm. come back to the country and you're a bowler, right? So that was, that was pretty much the dream. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a okay dream, but I thought, what if I can make money in America all the time and then move to Poland. That's a whole different situation, right? Mm-hmm. Like if we can do that after 20 years of not being in the country, I did go back for a bit and I realized the country is great. Warsaw is great. Warsaw is great. The rest of the country is okay, but the weather is crappy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's just, it's yeah, just I can not share it. that. I live in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> Poland's colder than here. So. <laughs> yeah. So the, the weather was crappy and I'm like, I love the place for three months a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not really, you know, that dream kind of like the balloon popped so quick. I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> uh, the other thing is, while I was working in those sales jobs, even though I knew there's a finishing line, you know, because for like, that's the thing that makes it bearable, right? Like if you think about yeah. even like the lower jobs, people right now and working at Amazon, fast food, 
call centers. And I mean, 30 or 40% of the jobs overall in the West, like the one I read, are in those type of jobs, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's companies that can't really figure out the robots to do things perfectly. So they try to put humans into those spots and then track them like they're robots. So it's unfulfilling, you know, it causes, you know, depression, anxiety, hopelessness, um, drug use, all these things, because humans are not meant to be robots, right? So, yeah. But even in those, I've seen if they have an end goal, like I'm going to make enough money for four months and then I'm going to do whatever I feel like, they're okay. But it's when you don't have that end in mind is when you're just, you know, out of luck and, and hopeless. So with me, even though I had those end goals, you know, when you're in those jobs and sales jobs are not much better than robots, you have a script, you got to hit the doors, you got to hit the phones, you know, whatever I did, like it's still not that much better. You don't yeah. think that much. And that four hour work week just landed in my lap, right? I don't know. You've probably read that book. I, have, I think yeah. everyone, at, yeah, yeah. So the book itself, hmm. It's okay. It's mediocre. It should have came with a big warning sign on the first front page saying, Hey, I'm Tim. I sold a business for 20 million. And then I figured this out Yeah. where most of us, we read that book and like, this is how we're going to start businesses, you know? So it's like, it was a complete mismatch of expectations. But anyways, that's on Tim. When I got that book, it just planted a seed in my mind, right? Like, it was that, okay, I can make money with systems and I could live anywhere in the world. Like forget just Poland, like it was my parents' dream and like, you know, but just, I could kind of be free. I could do whatever I want to, you know, by building systems. Cause that's what that really, the book was about, yes. you know, creating systems, delegating, things like that. So you're not a solopreneur, which is what I've seen when I was selling too. Like, cause I sold mostly to businesses and then when I went to, you know, like moving companies, pizza shops, like all these different places, like most of these guys are stuck. You know, they, they can only leave for so long. They, yes. you know, they don't trust anyone. They can't trust anyone too much. Anytime someone's really good at building things and they hire a salesperson, that salesperson kind of runs their business mm-hmm. and they become, I would say, hostages in their own businesses, Right. You can't tell the person who's making all the money what to do yeah. because, you know, so this happens a lot. It's sad. Yeah, it's true. It's sad, actually, but, it's true. You know. They suddenly get somebody who's bringing in all the revenue. That person becomes more valuable than, than they are as the owner. Yeah. So it was pathetic. Like I would sometimes speak to the owner and be like, you know, do you want to buy blah, blah, blah. Like this is great. And like, oh, I got to get this person in because they're the one I'm like, why am I even talking to you? You're just the owner on paper. Like, let me talk yeah. to them. Like you're actually useless in this conversation. You have nothing to say. And they're like, really? I was like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't need you. There's that, like, that Polish directness. <laughs> I was like, I asked for the for the owner because I thought you were the guy in charge, but obviously you're not. Like, you're just not. So this was, you know, it was funny. Later, I just stopped working with any people like that. You know, like in my further businesses. Like anytime mm-hmm. I speak to an owner now and like, like, oh, I have to get this person from my team because they actually run the thing. I'm like, um, you got to fix your business before we even talk about anything yeah. else. Because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not getting into this. Like, this is just a train wreck waiting to happen. But that's a big mistake people do. The kind of right? uh, the abdication of their ownership yeah. and responsibility, yeah. Yeah, like, you do want to 
hire people with different skill sets, but you don't want anyone to be in charge of your business. Mm -hmm. Right. So even if you are hiring like that, like one, you should either understand the system and then teach someone. So then you can easily, you know, hire someone else or try to create some kind of a buddy system. Right. Mm -hmm. Where like if one of them goes, I got the next one and I can easily replace, or you actually want to create systems, which this is the toughest one, but it's what I do now is I create systems for my marketing and sales. Mm -hmm. where I can get anyone off the street, train them to do certain pieces of it, which again, going back to the Amazon and treating people like robots, that's kind of what I'm doing now with a lot, you know, but it's the one way for me to make results happen and mm -hmm. to not have to worry about someone quitting or, you know, trying to become in charge of my business. I'm just like, mm -hmm. like you're all replaceable all replaceable. I mean, I love my team. Don't get me wrong. And they know it, but it's just, you know, like it, it's an unwritten rule that, you know, like I can easily replace and train someone else within mm -hmm. days. Right. So that's one mistake you don't want to make when you're starting businesses. And I, I've done it too. Like I had partnerships where either the roles were not defined. Right. So we're all kind of like, cause that's what we do. We often want to start a business with someone we know we're friends with. That we're close with. Oh yeah, we're so good. Yeah, we're gonna start a business. Next thing you realize, you're both marketers or you're both <laughs> <Yeah>. engineers, <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, so who's doing what? And then who's doing that other part? Oh, we need to hire someone for that. I'm like, yeah, but this doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. Like we're kind of working on the same exact thing, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. And then we got to hire for the one thing that we need. Like I don't know. So my advice: don't do partnerships unless like the skill sets are very different. Mm -hmm. um, just hire those people. But again, in a way where they don't control your business, it's much easier for a salesperson to hire a builder and then replace them than for a builder to hire a marketer and replace them. Yeah. Especially in the beginning. Later on, both these roles become easy to replace. But in the beginning, th this is very difficult to do. The other thing uh, I think we should address is that hustling is no longer cute when you're 30, 40, 50, right? Like in the beginning, when you're younger, everyone's like, oh man, you're so motivated. You're doing all these things, man. Like I if you were a stock, I would buy it. Mm -hmm. Like you know, people give you these things when you're 30, 40, it's like, uh-huh. So what went wrong? <laughs> yeah. Why are you still hustling? Yeah. Like, well, why are you like, haven't you like figured it out? Like maybe you should go get a job. You know, it just doesn't work as well mm -hmm. when you're older. So you kind of do want to focus in on, on one thing, but I don't know. Do you want to go into some of the lessons yeah, that think, I've learned? I, I, well, there's a couple of things I'll pick up on there. There's uh, the interesting thing is when you talk about, um, you know, you, you're tw hustling through your twenties and, and you're trying things. I think the, the, where a lot of frustration comes from a lot of people is actually that's not the path we end up taking, right? You kind of go through school, college into a job, and then suddenly you realize that that, you're, you're now staring down the barrel of a career in a particular direction that you, like you say, you've now tried it. You might want to do something else. And if, when you're not, when you haven't taken an entrepreneurial route early, I think it can feel for some people that you're now heading in a career that you might be not that passionate about. And it feels hard for some reason. I think for a lot of people, it feels harder to switch careers when you're not in an entrepreneurial mindset. 
So this is when, and this is the same thing in business. And I'll give you examples of this. I made this mistake many times too. This is the consequence of taking the easy way out mm-hmm. every single time. That is the consequence, right? You going to school, getting a job, letting other people control your destiny, easy way out. Eventually it's going to hit you, right? My initial businesses that I tried online were all easy ways out that all crashed. I let some platform control my business, right? Like when I did an SEO oriented business, it was all about Google. Then when we did our publishing business, all about the Kindle and Amazon store when we did, and it was easier, always easier, right? Because you have these big companies that are sort of propping you up and, you know, and then they take it all away. Right. But every single time they're famous for, right. They change their algorithm, they change their platform, they change all sorts of stuff. Yeah. But this is no different with you, you know, taking the easy, lazy way out and be like, it's just, I just stick in this job. You know, the paycheck is like crack. So I'll just keep taking it. Right. Yeah. So true. And, and it's, it's no different than, you know, like you said, like they think they're not entrepreneurs, but it's, it's the same thing in the business. Like so many people do what you've just said. Then they start a business again, taking the easy way out. Like my business now, we focus on online courses, right? And most people, instead of building up their own thing, but it's easier going on Udemy, but it's easier going on mm-hmm. Fiverr Learn, but it's easier. And I'm like, yeah, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to crash at some point. And it does for every single one of them. But it's always that, you know, like, but it's easier. You know, this is, this is what you got to watch out for. Like my business now, like we, we have rules, like we cannot take easy ways anymore. Like we need to play long-term games with long-term people. Like we, we can't rely on a platform mm-hmm. or our business will be finished. Right. So this is more of a mindset issue. You know, like if you're going to follow someone else's, narrative then you're not really in control anymore mm-hmm. and the, the the whole the only thing in there is that it's easier every single time but you got to do the hard things man like that's that's yeah. what <laughs> that's what it comes down to like some people even say that being a successful business guy is doing all the things no one else wants to it's you know, that's, yeah and and i think there's some truth in that because some you're right some. i think um it, the, well, the way that the way the, the traditional route, as it's become, is marketed as being the safe, which is a fallacy in itself, right? Because everybody knows somebody if they haven't been made redundant or some themselves, right? They're not in control, not really in control, but it, the illusion is put forward that you're in. It's a safe route. You've got a job, you've got security, but you don't really. And and you know, the current times are showing that more than ever. Yeah, the more someone tries to tell you that you're secure the more of an illusion it usually is. Yeah. Right. So even when you think about careers, usually someone would say working for a small business or a startup is much riskier than a big corporation. Usually it's the opposite way. Yes. You know, it's like with these platforms, building something on a big platform, like being a seller on Amazon, Oh, it's much more stable than doing it yourself. It's not. 
because well, you don't control at, the list. Look at how many people who've had their products ripped off. By Either Amazon. ripped off or Amazon just blocks your account or someone else steals your dropshipper. Like yeah. so many things could happen. But the main thing is like you don't control your audience at all. Mm -hmm. Like you don't know who you sold to. Yeah. You have yeah. zero control. But the illusion is there, right? Come to this big platform. So that's always my rule of thumb. The more someone else tells you they're honest or it's anything, usually it's the opposite. Yeah. Right. <laughs> there's, a, there's a moral for, there's moral number one <laughs> for today. <laughs> the other thing I want to touch on that you spoke about, and I think there's a couple of angles you, we can think about this is, you know, as you said, in, in some of the roles where you don't have an end game, there's no kind of point, there's no exit, there's no reason for doing it. And that's where, you there's no meaning right there's the, the lack of fulfillment and we're we feel like robots i think that's you can think look across that as you know in your own personal this is something I, I i'm quite passionate about is having some kind of goal that you're trying to work towards what does your life look like because then everything else whatever you do can become a means to an end but you can then also design what you do so that's something that I'm quite interested in is, and then when you're as a, as a, as you are now, um, leading a team and running a team and, and you have those roles, which could fall into, how do you, how do you kind of help your team to still gain that fulfillment? So I'm actually a very strange boss in some ways. Like I get excited when my team, um, takes off and wants to do stuff on their own. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm super happy. I'm willing to help. What do you need? Like if they just say like, boss, like I'm, I want to open my own company. I'm like, great. But let's kind of go over that as it relates to your audience, right? Because there's, there's different ways. Like yeah. the one thing I'll tell you, there is no magical place where you're going to build your business and then everything's going to be okay after that. So there's no, you know, little like unicorn meadow yeah. anywhere out there, there. there's no end right that's the... there, there's no real end um but what you do is it, it depends where in your path you are right mm -hmm. like if you're working with clients your end goal might be build things that sell multiple times so i can finish working with clients right that's an end goal right there mm -hmm. if you're building something that sells multiple times then you either think, am I building a lifestyle business, which is something I really enjoy, can spend a few hours on and do forever and then focus on my life more. Or if it's not, you build something with an exit in mind because I'm going to sell this business mm -hmm. and then move on to either, you know, my life or whatever, like starting a new thing. So each situation has an end goal in some ways, but I just want to, you know, make sure everyone knows there's no like, you know, like place where like this magical place where eventually, you know, you hit <laughs> that spot and yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no such thing. Every single time there's going to be new problems, new situations you got to deal with. The one thing I can tell you, because this becomes scary for people who are beginning, I mean, like just so much stuff's going to hit you that, you know, mm -hmm. you think you might not be able to handle it. And I've went through this. I went through it. It's, it's definitely hard. Like when you're first starting out, it's always difficult. But one of my friends, which, you know, it's always nice having people who are a bit ahead of you 
on the journey, right? Like I don't really look up to people, but it's nice having a little more experience that you can mm -hmm. kind of like, at least kind of lean on a little bit, you know, you should always count on yourself first. And I told him like, I'm like, dude, like this is rough, man. Like, yeah, sales are coming in, but you know, I'm hustling all the time. Then we got to fulfill the sales. Then anytime I tell my employees to do anything, stuff's broken. Like this was, you know, like in the beginning. Um, and same thing happens now, but I just want to mm -hmm. like really make sure we're, we're talking about that that time. And he's like, look, man, one year from now, this is going to be like another day. Like, you know, your, your skin grows thicker and you just, you know, mm -hmm. you become more jaded in some ways. And he's right that things that would have broke me or came close to breaking me 10 years ago, like they happen every day. Now I'm just like, yeah, okay, I'll take care of it after lunch. Like I don't even miss a beat. Like I just don't care anymore. You know, not that I don't care to fix it, but it emotionally doesn't, doesn't do yeah, it's anything. Not, it's not having the same impact on you and at your all headspace. Yeah. Like a client gets upset about something. I'm like, that's what clients do. We'll yeah. handle it when we handle it. Yeah. <laughs> True, before yeah. you know if they would like reach out to me over the weekend like oh it's an emergency i'm like you know back then i would get stressed now i'm like if it's an emergency call a doctor i'll be back on monday yeah right like it's just you become yeah used to things right it's like anything so what you're feeling when you're starting your business is not how you're going to be feeling later on like all of it gets easier in a lot of ways so that's something i wish someone told me like clearer when I was starting out because it was very difficult for me, but that's how it works. The I liken thing, it to um, yeah. I liken it to fitness, right? When you same thing. If you get off this, if you start from scratch and you want to start running, running one k hurts and is hard. As you get fitter, you might run a marathon and it hurts and it's hard, but the one k is now easy. It the you you're always going to have some kind of pain. But it just you're you're now dealing with a greater load when that when you feel that pain. Yeah, I mean, for for people in the gym, they just need to think about their um, the progress they make on whatever. If it's the bench press, you know, last year a hundred ten pounds was tough. You got up to hundred eighty. Now, when you put hundred ten on, you're just like, this is ridiculous. Just back and forth till like you're tired, right? It's the same thing. Yeah. Like you, your, your muscles, but you know, like your emotional and mm. other muscles get stronger as well. The other thing I've seen, and you know, we also are kind of built towards this. Uh, there's an analogy. There's a bus analogy. I'll kind of take you through. Um, when you start a business, you're getting onto a bus, right? This, this one bus and you know, you hit milestones, you get over obstacles and, you know, you get to that next bus stop and then the next thing happens, you get to the next bus stop, the next one. What most of us like to do is we'll get to like the third stop and we'll hit some huge obstacle, blah, blah, blah. And instead of going to the next stop, we look at the bus next to us mm -hmm. and we see everyone being happier, richer, and, you know, <laughs> the bus is just much nicer like and cleaner. Strategy, and we're just yeah. like, you know what, <laughs> screw this bus. I'm getting up to the next bus you're back in square one and then you get to the next stop, next stop, next stop, third stop, and you switch again. What happens is then you're like a 40, 50 year old who says they have 20, 30 years of experience, but you actually have 10 three year experiences, right? It's not the same thing. Mm -hmm. right? And as my friend always told me, you know, 
when you get something that's sort of working, your skills are fine with it, you're making money, the niche is working, stay on the fucking bus. You know, this is your 30s now. When we get into that, you, you, you know, you skipped your 20s, you got the hustle out the way. In the 30s on, you stay on the fucking bus, unless there's a trend in your entire industry. Yeah, you know, if the industry if disappeared, so, if you're Kodak, then you want, <laughs> you want to switch. Yeah, you, you know, you just don't, you, you look at the trends, but as long as the trends are upwards, yeah, it's not the industry, it's not the business model usually, it's, not, it's you. Mm-hmm. You just need to get better. Stay on the bus, get to the next stop, and keep going. Right? Like, don't get off. You're, 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 it's, it's the same thing. Like, no bus is going to, you know, just magically take you to the 10th stop. You're always going to be like, oh, man, this sucks again once you hit the same obstacle. So that's a big mistake a lot of us do. You know, and, and like I said, in your 20s, that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, you actually have enough energy to ride four different buses at the same time sometimes. Right? You do. But at some point, you pick one bus and you stick with it. And I'm telling you, like, since I've done that, things have became so much easier, so much more efficient. And it's hard for me to even look back. And I'm like, my God, if I knew this when I was like 22, but, you know, it doesn't work that way. No. It doesn't work that way. But I meet people now who are much older than me and finally figured out that we should you know, they should be staying on the same bus, but now when they're 50, you know, 55, it's like, you know, you're, you, yeah, I mean, but you're only going to hit like a couple more stops, you know, mm-hmm. like it's not, I mean, you should, you know, but it's like, it, it's, it's sad to see. Yeah. How, so what was the process you went through from the hustle? How did you start to refine down into, onto that single bus? <laughs> I mean, there were a lot of situations and most of them were, like I said, I picked the easy way out multiple times. And every time we were making a ton of money and we crashed. And if you do that, you know, unless you're a moron, if you do that for three, four times and you realize like I'm starting over from scratch again, Mm -hmm. in a way, like, I mean, I still have my skills and network and stuff, but still I'm starting a business kind of from scratch because that business model, which I picked again, the easy way out was nonsense. It took me a couple times, which means I'm a little of a slow learner, but you know, eventually I'm like, look, like we're not doing this again. We're just not, you know, people still came to me with ideas like, Oh, I should start a TikTok agency. You should start this, that. I'm always like, nah, I'm good. I'm so mm-hmm. good. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it the hard way. And it's actually a much easier way. You know, like I mentioned, it, it's so much easier if you actually, it, it takes a bit more skill to get going, but uh, maybe we should talk a bit about the progression mm, definitely. Of, of someone that hits the online business world, right? Because yeah. it's the same thing every single time. And if you don't do it properly, you're going to be hurting a, much, a little longer than, yeah. So in the beginning, it's all about gaining skills right? Having some kind of expertise. If you're in a career already, right? I would assume you have some kind of a skill, you know, so you're not, you know, going blindly into mm-hmm. this whole thing. Cause you can take your skills that you know and move them online. Cause it's not that 
anything different than just a way of selling, right? Cause you're just selling online now than the person. So it's the same thing. Just take your skill. So let's skip the skill building, you know, being an apprentice, whatever, like, you know, getting jobs. The easiest thing to do initially is to have a service where you're either coaching or doing something for clients. Worst business model, easiest way to make money. And you want to make sure you're one of the highest charging months in your industry because it takes the same amount of work mm -hmm. and it makes everything easier. You can get two clients instead of 10, right? So you, you know, mentally you'll be better. And I think that's too. where a lot of people struggle, particularly when you're starting, right? They're, why is someone going to pay me more than somebody who's been doing it for, for so long? And, blah, and the, the self doubt is probably a barrier at that point, right? Sure. So we, we made this mistake too, but you should be making mistakes because that's how you're going to learn, right? Mm -hmm. In the beginning with our agency, we were a marketing agency for everybody. We, we did well, but if someone said like, why should I pick you over Jay Abraham or, you know, one of those big guys, I'm like, if you can afford them, like there's zero reason to, mm -hmm. you know, because they're, they're the top of the industry. So most of us make the shark tank mistake and I'm going to go after this big market. And if I sell 1% of a billion, like, okay, yeah, but it's going to be tough, you know, do it. And then you'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. So what, ha what we found is that this kind of happened by luck. One of our industry um, that we were working, which was the SEO industry, we had a client that we did SEO for, and then he wanted us to do, online courses, but well, this was like seven years ago. People didn't know what those were. And after us doing the marketing business for so long, you know, dealing with this issue, we finally realized like, but we've been doing course marketing. We just found one little slice of our business, which we've been doing great. It's trending up. What if we go all in on that? It's a small industry. It's bigger now because of COVID, mm -hmm. but it was very small back then. It was like maybe 80,000 total people in our industry, but we went into that and became a huge fish in a small pond immediately, you know, because we're like, we got all these skills. And now if someone says like, who should I pick? I was like, well, who are you going to pick? You know, and, and they'll tell us like, you know, some names I'm like, yeah, I know these guys. I'm good. Like there's, there's nothing you can tell me that they mm -hmm. do that I can. So some people say, you know, to pick a bigger market, maybe if you get really good at a small market, you can expand, but often you can find hidden opportunities in a small market. If you're in something for a long time, you see what other people don't see. So often that's not always the answer. You can actually stay in a small market and do really, really well. Mm -hmm. or, so you, that, or the market grows as, as a result of your yeah, entry yeah. into it. Yeah. yeah. So there's different things, but that, that would kind of answer, you know, people being scared of, you know, like, yeah. oh, getting us, so you, you niche down. But anyways, clients in the beginning right? Everyone does this, makes enough money. And then they start thinking about the next step. And the next step is how do I separate my income from my time? Eventually everyone gets into it. If they don't, they regret it years after, you know? Mm -hmm. And this is when people start building courses, software, different things that, you know, with courses, you need to understand that the money comes in and out at different intervals, right? So it's not like a software business where you get a recurring 
mm-hmm. amount every single month that's growing, it kind of ebbs and flows, right? But selling that type of you know outcome is much easier because the same thing that you've been doing for clients, you're just now selling as more of a do-it-yourself model. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's the next easier step. Software is usually like the third because it takes a lot more investment and it's it's tougher to get going. But it's something that you build with an exit in mind. Even if you don't ever want to sell it, you build it that way. Mm-hmm. Because it immediately gives you freedom and it gives you that insurance policy in case you do want to leave, you can sell the business. So then you have some client work, which you can quit at any time. You know, that's the best thing to to remember. And then you have other streams of income, which now work that way, right? And then most people get tired of the whole industry. They'll sell the software business and go back into coaching or, you know, so like in the beginning, maybe they were teaching people how to do email uh, marketing, right? Mm-hmm. And they built everything around that. They had the clients and they had the course then they had the software, they sold that. And then they go into the next step, which is how do I create a business and sell it? And they teach other people that, right? So they kind of move, you know, in different paths, but it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Initially they'll get clients, then they'll create info and then they'll, yeah. So that's kind of the path you want to follow. Um, and if you feel yourself being stuck in one too long, that's usually a danger kind of sign for you, a warning sign that if you don't get your shit together, you might end up as one of those friends I told you about that are 55, 60 and still dealing with clients and still haven't made the next move. And like, oh man, this sucks. Mm-hmm. You know, if I don't continually get clients, I can't make money and how am I going to retire? I'm like, yeah, but you, you didn't make the next step, which you yeah. should have made 10, 15 years ago because you're taking the easy way out because clients are easy. Eventually you're going to get so known, have so much traffic that is people are going to be knocking on your doors instead of you going after them. And then that's when it's like, okay, like we are moving into that step with this business. And now half my time I'm deciding, do I want to work with these people that are coming towards me? Because if I do again, easy money, but I'm not working on my own stuff. Mm-hmm. So it becomes challenging, right? This is again where they're like, you know, I'm not taking an easy way out anymore because it's not going to lead anywhere, right? But this is something that you're constantly going to have to deal with. Even with the online course, like online courses are great, but they're not easy to sell usually unless you create a brand around them. Mm -hmm. They don't have regular income. They come and go, right? There's different things, which is, it's a great business model, but it's not the end business model for most people, you know, because you can get that exit. Not well, the, the big exit. Is, is there's a, such a big market around them now, right? You've got, and some of the the bigger names like uh, Dean Graziosi, for example, with the mastermind platform. And there's a bunch of others that are trying to sell this as the, as the exit strategy of your, or, or of the ordinary life. And what you just said there is that as the steps of having clients, then of course, I think that's getting missed quite a lot. And I think the dream is being sold is just create a, anyone can create, you've got a video camera, create a course and sell it and become, and, and earn five figures a month or six figures a month. And, and when, when, when should you be thinking about going down that route? Like I said, you need that first step. Mm. Anytime someone's selling you on something that's not real, 
you know that's 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 when the problem they're comes the in money. <laughs> yeah, they're making the money so the best courses are from people who have experience with a lot of clients or teaching bigger classes who have the outcome mm. and they just don't want to trade time for money anymore that's the whole thing there right like this is when i'm like you know what uh, for example some of the best courses that sell are courses in really weird niches right like calligraphy um some kind of a art painting playing you know different type of instruments like things so what happens there is people living all over the world because we're all different we all have our weird stuff that we like so you're going to have a ton of people that want to learn calligraphy or you know writing chinese symbols or whatever it is and they cannot find anyone in their town think about the middle of the uk the middle of america like you're gonna find a master calligraphy guy in a town of 10,000 people right so that's the reasons they sell now as a teacher what choice do you have am i gonna fly out one-on-one -on -one to all these people you know creating small classes like mm -hmm. it's like that doesn't really make sense so this is when you take something that you're doing well with and you just want to give the option to people who are so into it but can't find teachers in their own area and these do extremely well. The worst thing you can do is not be an actual freelancer, for example. Listen to a guy like Dean and create a course on how to become a freelancer. Yeah. When you haven't done it yet. But this happens all the time. Like so many of the inquiries we get, you know, can you help me market this course? I'm like, what kind of course is it? Blah, blah, blah. What are your credentials? Okay, you don't have any. What is your experience? You know, like there was this one girl, man, and this was actually dangerous. I told her like, you're, you know, you're treading on some dangerous ground. She's like, I'm going to teach people how to lose weight when my crazy something diet, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, where did you get this from? What are your results? And she's like, oh, I just did it for myself, but that's not the point. She was actually not fit, right? Her reason for creating this really crazy course to throw people into is because she moved from a regular job to travel for a few months and she didn't want to stop. Right. It was just all to make the money so she can keep doing what she's doing instead of actually one, having the expertise, having the outcomes and caring about your students. And I hate, I hate those type of people, but that's again, skipping that step where you're actually it's because it's all gets sold on the it's all about the money 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 whereas you and, and i think where we we forget is the most of the most successful businesses if not all are very much focused on the customer outcome you look at the the obvious ones like even amazon is still it's all about this it's gamifying the customer experience all the time it's how do they make that little bit slicker so that more people use it how do microsoft how do they get more people using their how do, how do they affect the customer outcome so that more people use their product and i think if it's just about the money that's where we you're not thinking about the outcome and and you know that example you run the risk of doing damage more than helping yeah especially if you're you know teaching people you know like nutrition and mm. things which like you have no idea about i'm like that is so dangerous like yeah. you know you're, you're recommending supplements and things which you have no idea about while you're trying to get some of that affiliate money. You know what I mean? Like everything was just super, super sketchy. So that's what I see with a lot of these course creators who, you know, then whine. 
then you know they're not successful and they don't know what it sells like well it shouldn't be selling it's garbage yeah but if you take the path that you're supposed to you would have known you would have had 50 or 60 clients that you would have took through you would have the outcome have the system have the method have the case studies probably have you know a lot of social proof from other parts like you would have been good and then people would understand like yeah well i mean you no longer want to trade all your time for money it's that's a normal thing you know how do i expend that but again this is the steps that you kind of want to think about right naturally and it maybe takes a little longer but it's actually much easier because as long as you're let's say in the first step like you're getting clients right and in my business to get clients it didn't take much you know, because if I got myself in the front of the right people, like I came off and I could only do maybe five, six clients a month because we were pretty high end. You know, it, do it doesn't take much for that. Right. But in my mind, like I know what the next step is. So we're going to keep building an uh, email list, you know, for the people who can't afford me. They're still interested. And, you know, how much easier is that? Mm -hmm. If you're in front of people all the time, they're seeing like, man, you're making a killing for all these clients. And then after a year or two, eventually you say, you know what, guys, I actually think I'm going to come out something that's affordable, like two fifty, three, four hundred dollars for everybody else. I'll teach you what I know and I'll still do it for a few, but I'll share it much different mm -hmm. scenario than when you're just like, ah, Nobody knows me and buy my course, you know, and like, let me just trust me on this. Just yeah. trust me. I know the process, right? Like I don't <laughs> ever have to advertise it dollars. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. Like I, I never have to tell people like, trust me on this. I just tell them like, look, it is what it is. Like if you don't want it, it's fine. Like I'll be okay. I don't need your money, but you know, it's a very different dynamic. Yeah. Right. And then think about the next step too. You've got clients, you've got the income, you've got the course, you have a lot of buying people from that course. Then within the same niche, eventually, you come up with a software thing. Now you market this new idea to a thousand people who probably paid you something and another few thousand who have not, but trust you and know you and like you. And that's when these overnight successes happen. Mm -hmm. right? So it's a Click longer path. That's a great example of that. Yeah, I mean, he spent, I don't know how many years putting out offers to figure it out, you know, building email lists around his marketing and ideas. And when he actually put that out, then yeah, it was a, it's, it's a clunky software, but it's a really good idea. He's a really good marketer. He's a great marketer. Yeah. That's and he cool. had a very big email list. Again, overnight success in a way, right? Very yeah. smart. As a 15 year overnight success or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but I'm, I'm just saying like, you know, if, if you do want to go off on your own, like understand the steps. Yeah. Because if you remember, you know, some of those constraints, don't take the easy way out. Don't let any platform control you. Don't hire or partner with anyone who can take you hostage in your own business, you know, follow the right steps. Like you're going to be so much ahead of almost anyone else around you. It's unbelievable. I think there's a great message there. If, if, if someone's selling it is the easy way, then run a million miles that the people that are making the money from that are the people that are selling you the easy way. 
Always. Yeah. Like when people come to me and it's like, oh, can you just market the course? I'm like, hmm, I don't know. It depends. Everything depends. I don't know. Like there, there's a lot of factors here. Like I tell them like, look, my, my goal is, yeah, to get, get you from A to B is from where, you know, you're not selling well to, to selling well. Uh, was it validated? Is it not? Like there's, there's so many factors, right? But I'm like, look, the one only thing I can promise you, I'm going to take about three years of your learning curve you know, by me coming in, mm-hmm. but am I able to get it done? I don't know. How lucky are you? Because I can do everything right. Every single thing. And then the last factor would be like, well, are you lucky? And do people like you? Because as an instructor, that's the one factor people don't realize. We're not selling a product, right? A regular mm-hmm. product has two simple pieces, audience message, right? You fit the offer with the right audience, boom, sells mm-hmm. with a course. Okay, we got the right outcome. We got the right audience. And then people don't like you as a teacher. You know, I, I can't. Yeah. So that makes this business model, although it's great, I love the business model, a bit more difficult because there's that third component, which, you know, if you're not very likable and not good on camera, <laughs> you're in trouble. You're in, yeah, because, you know, if, if people have choices, at least for the most part, some niches yeah. are still, you know, pretty empty, but for most part, I can say like, do I, you know, this course and that course, what's the one thing I'm going to look for if everything else looks the same, the instructor. Yeah. Right. So, and I, I can't do anything about those. Like, you know, I, I can't change you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, so I, so I tell people, you know, and I, and I'm, you know, always very honest about it. I'm like, look, like we, there's so much I can do, but I'm not a magician, right? There's no, you know, so <laughs> yes, we'll see. True, true. And then, but there's another, there's another valuable lesson there. Is it if, if you do want to start creating uh, any kind of product that involves you quite heavily, you got to understand who you are and where do you, where where are the opportunities to de- to develop you or your character or or whatever so and and skills so like you just said you know confidence on camera that kind of thing understanding where you are now and where you need to develop and focus on doing that before creating the course because otherwise you could end up with it like you just say you could have the best course in the world and then if you're shit you're going nowhere yeah, you're going nowhere, man. And it, all of it takes time. Like I do a lot of podcast things. Like I, I speak to so many people and look, man, like this is a bit funny, but with my podcast, we're on like a hundred and I think 50th episode, but you know, even though I don't put out as much and some people will come to me and be like, I love your podcast. Should I just listen to the whole thing? And I'm like, if you want to keep liking it, skip the first hundred episodes. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Even though they're not bad, but they're not what I'm doing now. They're, they're, you know, they're not at that level. So you got to keep putting things out and you got to quickly realize, you know, like if you look back like four or five years ago, it's like, yeah, that wasn't so good. Even though you thought it was the best thing yeah. ever when you put it out. It was like, that's yeah, good like, though. I, I think that's good. I, if you look back on, on four years and think, and it's still the same. You probably haven't learned. Anything. Okay. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't have that issue. It's always like, Ugh, I could have done yeah. much better on that. But, <laughs> but, the but there's is you a, couldn't, could you, at the end of the day, you, you did what you did the best nah. that you did with the, in the position that you were in at that time. So an, another big part is just consistency, right? Yep. You know, just putting things out. If you're into podcasts, just, you know, put it out. Like for me, I do more 
other people's podcasts now. So even when my listeners, they'll be like, oh, Tom, you only put out one in three months. I was like, yeah, but I put out 15 on other people's podcasts. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm kind of burnt out, you know, like there's only so much good stuff I can put out. So that's when you kind of think about systems more, right? Like that's, you know, part of my marketing system is podcast, but it works in two ways. Like um, outreach is one, like I'll usually get a few people who are you know, like, oh man, it was great. But it's also the SEO, getting a backlink from a similar thing. Like, so I, I always think of how can I help someone else? I give you a great episode, but at the same time, how can I build it into my marketing system? So I'm, you know, doing my grind as well, right? Cause yeah. that's all it is. is SEO is a grind, you know, doing 14 podcast episodes. It's fun, but it takes a lot of out of you too, yeah. but it's something that I can do. Like some people write better, but I can, you know, do the podcast episodes and it takes less energy than writing. 15 blog posts for someone else. I share that. So you kind of, yeah. So you had at some point you kind of figure out like what your strengths are. Yeah. And you create systems, marketing systems around that. And this is something I can do forever. Like we've been doing three, four episodes on other people's podcasts for over two or two and a half years now, but it's a system and I can continually do it. I'm okay with it. So, you know, you don't want to do like those sprints, where you do like 50, because I've done those old man, they burn you out, then you don't want to do anything for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I'll tell you one of the lessons I've learned from doing this is also um, control how much, because it's the same when you're doing your own, right? I, and I've recorded so many in a short space of time. Suddenly, you stared out staring down a barrel of editing, pr promoting, <laughs> and like, shit, I got to I got to start recording fewer in a short space of time, because it, it, it does take you end up your headspace is all in one task and then you can't do a, a bunch of other things yeah so you always got to think about that and like you know what, what the systems are even with my podcast like you have your own you know there are always different ways that you're trying to do one you want to learn about something two you want to maybe inspire your audience three you want to get people who you can connect with like in my industry i'll get people from the educational industry on and then we'll, once I get the owner of something on my podcast, we can easily get some kind of a win-win going mm -hmm. down the road. Before, I used to get my perfect clients on my podcast and almost everyone actually became my client afterwards, mm -hmm. right? But it was one of the ways I used to get clients. So, you know, different ways too, but I had systems around everything. There was a, a method to the whole madness, right? Mm -hmm. You know, there's always... So I think, you know, anything you do, you kind of always have to ask yourself, why am I doing this? Right? Is it because people said you should be doing it or does it actually make sense for your business? Mm -hmm. I think it's very crucial. Yeah, good. Right, we are coming to the end and it's been really enjoyable. But before we, we sign off, I want to run through uh, my standard questions with you. So we'll, we'll whistle through these. Um, <laughs> do you have a morning routine of any sort? And if you do, what does it look like? I know you travel, you, you're... You slow traveling is, is the best. Yeah, it's the slow travel. Yeah, you're slow, slow travel. traveling at the moment, and, and you're in Chiang Mai at the moment, right? So, yeah. Does it? Uh, do you have a? Do you still have a routine when you're traveling around, or does it vary depending on where you are? It's usually the same, because because the routine became very simple. Like I tried all these like you know different things. Like oh, I'm gonna visualize, meditate. I was like yeah, they didn't do that much for me. <laughs> like I found, you know, wake up in the morning have at least 20 minutes of me looking out in the distance 
mm-hmm. quietly time, you know, where I can kind of get my head clear. I'll like my one addiction is I get ceremonial matcha imported from Japan wherever I am. Right. So I'll have a cup of that. I'll write down the three things I must accomplish that day. And then I'll just look at my calendar, you know, like, okay, this is the stuff I got scheduled. And then everything else is whatever I feel like doing time after I finish my tasks. That's all I do in the morning. I try to make it as simple as possible. Nice. I, I, the, 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 one of the key things there is obviously knowing exactly what you need to achieve in that day. Because yeah, so the one thing I'll add is I'll often write what I need to do the night before. But by the time I wake up, I look at that list. And after asking myself why a couple times, they change. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, yeah, maybe I could do that. But I'm going to do these, you know, because now it's like it's clearer to me. So mm-hmm. I think there's a book called Psycho Cybernetics, right? Like you put something into your mind before you go to sleep. When you wake up, you kind of get the answers. Yeah. Those three things usually change based on, you know, whatever happens in my mind when I'm sleeping. I like that. That's, that's a good tactic. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, consider <laughs> this is why I ask these questions. Cause I always get great ideas. Um, three books that you'd recommend and why? Thinking about this audience. Um, Okay. Ups and downs in the business. Like if you really want to see what that looks like, shoe dog, mm-hmm. the, um, the guy who, yeah, who built Nike. Once I read that and I seen the stuff he went through, I was like, oh yeah, my problems are nothing. Um, fiction books, which will teach you more about business than almost any business books. Uh, the Asian saga. Interesting. Yeah, there's, Never- there's a couple of different books in there. Um, Noble House and I think Taipan stick out. It's written by one guy, starts with Shogun and gets to the end, but there's like the three books. Shogun was a great kind of military strategy book. But after that, it became more about this family dynasty building a business over many generations. And it was just incredible series. It's a lot about human psychology, Mm -hmm. which is really what business is all about. And the last one, I'm trying to think just how like brutal we want to be with the listeners, but how to be rich by Felix Dennis. It will actually probably make you not want to be rich after you read that book. (laughs) And it's really the only book you need to read. If you think about growing something big like that, Mm -hmm. that should be the only book you read and you'll quickly know what that takes. Um, And for most people, they'll realize like, yeah, I, I don't want to become rich anymore. I just want to have a good lifestyle. Yeah, which you know, which is a good thing. That's good. And then I guess it, the lifestyle one would, you know, with the health warning, but the four-hour work week gives you an idea of actually you don't need to be, you don't necessarily need to be a millionaire, multi-millionaire to live a, f- a freer lifestyle. You've got to find a way of generating the income that pays for the lifestyle that you want. Yeah, I like the idea of that book more than the book. That's yes. why I don't really recommend it. Yeah, you know, like the actual book, I think is very misleading in a lot of ways. Yeah, he kind of glosses over the fact that he was earning a considerable amount of cash <laughs> when he <laughs> when he went off and to find himself. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. yeah, but the, some of the some of the <clears throat> concepts are, are are decent, I think. Uh, three p- 
people that you recommend uh you know following or listening to um whether they got good messages whatever this is a very hard one for me you know like when i got into the music industry i met a lot of my heroes from you know back and i realized i maybe shouldn't ever yeah and it completely <laughs> destroyed <laughs> yeah. yeah it completely destroyed that idea for me like i have nobody i look up to like that i'll just follow like i do have you know a lot of people that i follow on twitter that i think have good ideas mm-hmm. but i'm more looking at the ideas than the people right so I'm yeah, just that's, like, oh, that's kind of what i mean by yeah. it is who who has a good who who potentially has a good outlook or a good message that you know, maybe someone listening to this could benefit from. I think Naval, N A V A L, very good ideas on how to structure your life and things and business. Um, who was that guy who wrote Principles? Uh, Ray Dalio. That book. Yeah. Incredible. Itself. The ideas are incredible. Um, I would say those two. Like you don't need to follow many people. Like no. look, most of the things you're gonna have to do yourself and figure out. Like the more you're following people, the more you're just inviting distractions in your life. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I would say if you if there's something particularly you're trying to do is look at the people who have done it and see what they've done and see if there's any lessons you can avoid, make <laughs> any mistakes you can avoid making, if possible. Yeah, but then it really depends on your industry. Yeah, that's more you know like if you're doing you know like coaching on on health or something like you're kind of going to look for those people right and yeah. there's not like a generic one you want to like you don't want to follow any of these like hustle guys or anything like it just doesn't make sense no look at the the people with longevity and history are probably your best bets like ray dalio is a great one look at what he's achieved with bridgewater and and yeah fully qualified to write the book principles yeah but you kind of want to look for those timeless mm you know, nuggets of knowledge more than like just the nonsense that comes out. Like I don't buy almost any of the new business books. Well, it's it's like, I said, what you realize, well, if you do buy anything that's reasonably new, and I mean like in the last 20, 30 years, it's all regurgitating stuff from a hundred years ago anyway. Yeah. Like I think my friend just made a joke the other day. He's like, you know, I started reading fiction books again. I was like, yeah, me too. My favorite category, business books from the last five years. That's <laughs> <laughs> so true so true uh i just I, I just the more the more things i see and the more things i learn read they're just uh regurgitations <laughs> of the tried and tested uh but a lot of it is just fiction man it's like yeah it's it's always like someone trying to have you read a book so that you can go into their ecosystem or funnel yes. i mean like anytime you see a book written because there's a end in mind for the author it's fiction yes right so that's that's why i laugh like most of them are that's complete a great fiction. <laughs> that's a great lesson uh three habits or disciplines that you've adopted in your life uh, that you think have served you well i think thinking and systems and not habits that was one which really made things easier and changed everything uh having a regular gym routine Mm-hmm. Like first thing in the morning, like four times a week, like that helps a lot too with just, you know, like my whole mind state and taking the right supplements. 
like, you know, you, you gotta, you know, do obviously a full blood work and things to figure mm-hmm. out your deficiencies. But, you know, the more I speak with my friends too, like once you find that out, like someone might have like a, a lot of fatigue and can't really focus mm-hmm. and stuff. And then they'll realize, oh yeah, I just had a B12 deficiency or I had a vitamin D deficiency, just something easy. That's mm-hmm. so fixable. And then they're like, yeah, I feel great now. You know, so, so doing that, uh, made a lot of difference too, like in, in the long term, you know, work. Yeah. Great theme there. Mind, mind and health, because without those two things working, you, you're a, it's an uphill battle. Um, on that similar subject, then three tools, systems, apps that you use in your everyday life that kind of help you be the, be either be productive or efficient or whatever. I mean, this is really hard because like the way I live my life and um, like I outsource all the mundane things, right? Like I don't, I have someone that cleans my house. I have someone that like does massages. I have someone that, um, I had someone that cooked, but then the girlfriend said she wants to cook. So, but I had someone for that, Um, like laundry, all these things like I outsource, like I don't want to think about it at all. Like all these mundane things, Mm -hmm. right? Um, podcasting has been a huge tool in, in my, in my business, either going on podcasts or stuff. So marketing systems, like that's been big. Um, and with everything else, like, yeah, it's really about systems, you know, cause even with the health things, like I, I build things that I can do for a long time and then I do it for three months. I test the system, see if I can break it. And then I'll kind of redo things and try it again. But, but yeah, it's, the theme would be systems over anything else. I like the the, the test, the, the test, ref, test and refine. Um, everything that you do and everything that you use is is a is a good lesson there. Uh, last question for you. <clears throat> While well, I clear my throat, um, if you could spend an hour with anybody, and I know you don't want to <laughs> meet your heroes, uh, but an hour with anybody, dead or alive, maybe a dead person would be a good one. Um, mm. Who would that be? Like really myself when I was 20 years old. That's a great answer. Yeah. I, I, w- I would really want to have a talk with that, with that guy and be like, look, man, <laughs> like every, every, everything they told you is a lie in a lot of ways. Let me, let me explain to you how this works. And it would be everything about like, you know, business relationships, the whole narrative, like the way you, you move forward and like, you know, deal with issues, like everything. I would be like, look, man, this is all pretty simple. Let me just lay it out. And then you kind of, you go do your thing. Do you think you'd listen to yourself though? That's the question. So I wouldn't listen to any specific things that I said, Mm -hmm. but I would plant the ideas much quicker, right? Because that's the thing with all of us. Like we, someone tells us a new thing, which kind of like, yeah, that's stupid, but we can't get rid of it. And eventually we're like, yeah, that was actually pretty smart. Mm -hmm. So just planting those ideas, right? Like you could do this, you could do that. And like, doesn't this seem like off a bit? You know, I would, I would yeah. just make sure that all these things that I'm thinking back then, someone just kind of, you know, just, just you know, gives a little bit of a, I don't know, is that really true? You know, so I wish I just had that time, you know, then maybe five years after I would have figured out a lot of stuff. Like, yeah, you're right. Working for big corporations, I can see that's a dumb idea. And this is like, you know, there's a lot of things I would have, yeah. Mm-hmm. Taking the easy way out 
would have probably learned that much quicker because you know when you when it first happens you're just like oh man let me try again oh man but if someone planted that seed it would have happened once and you would have been like oh yeah he was right yeah right like seen that it was the easy way out yeah sooner right yeah these were these were these things yeah so so it's all about just planting those ideas sooner and that's what I kind of want to accomplish on all these podcasts when, you know, I have an audience that's sort mm-hmm. of like, oh man, I wish I could do something else. Like, it's so possible. Like, I'm, I'm fairly talented, but I'm not more talented than almost anyone else. Like, we all think we're above average, but we're usually all sort of like average when it comes down <laughs> to it. It's a human fallacy, isn't it? It's <laughs> a human fallacy. <laughs> so I'm like, look, it's, it's just the way that you're thinking of things mm-hmm. that's off. Cause that was the same way. Like, you know, we're so ingrained by, you know, like our peers and people at work, like, Oh, this is the only way it's like, no, is it really, mm-hmm. is it really, is Bob in accounting that's been there for 20 years, really that happy and fulfilled? Mm-hmm. Like, is that what you want to end up like? That was the one thing I did when I was in those corporations. And it was actually very lucky that I kind of came up with this. I looked in the people 10, 20 years ahead of me in you know, the roles, because mm-hmm. I, I went for a short time, but I still did it. And I looked and I would be like, hey, Bob, you've been here for 20 years. How do you feel? I, like, oh, I hate this job. As you walk inside. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, like, Bob, who else has been there? Well, Andrew's been in there, but man, he's a slimy one, man. He's been getting, like, you know, he's been, he's been, I was like, so I spoke with Andrew and I'm just like, dude, this guy, dirty. Dirty and brown nosing. I'm like, and he's like, I like this job. I'm like, oh, this is who I got to be. And, you know, so you do want to do that really yeah, quick. That, like if you think. Great... <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my piece of advice. If you're in business, go to those people way ahead of you and go ask Susie and or whoever it is like, hey, how, how are you doing? And then yeah. like really take a look. See how, know? see how much they, how much they uh, look forward to Monday morning. No, and, and that's the thing, right? Like with the people who do look forward to try to figure out what kind of person this is. Yeah. Because if, if you see someone that loves their job and then you see that their character is something like, oh man, like, this is not how I you know, want to be. Like I'm not a sociopath or I'm not whatever. Then you got to understand like if you can't be like this person and you're like Bob who wants everything done right but he hates every single day. <laughs> right. But it's just, it, it gives you that idea of like maybe yeah. I'm not on the right track, you know. That that's that's a great gem, Tom. <laughs> thank you very much for your time. And uh, where can people track you down if they want to either listen to the podcast or um, they want to learn more about the business or anything that you're that they want to get in contact with you? So everything that we do is always under Smart Brand Marketing. So just SmartBrandMarketing.com. You can contact me. I'm easy to get a hold of. And anything we build is underneath that. Right. So any like new things, new, new content, new, new stuff that comes out. It'll always be that services. We might sell it off or kill it, but that place will always kind of, you know, stay there. So easiest one. Thanks, Tom. Uh, look forward to speaking to you again at some point in the future. Yeah, man, it was good. Thanks for having me.
Thank you so much for listening to this conversation. If you enjoyed it and you'd like to hear more similar episodes, head over to pocketmastermind.com where you'll also find the links mentioned in this conversation. And if you haven't done so already, please leave us a review. It'll really help us to get our message out and let more people know about these episodes. So leave us a review, leave us a rating, hit the subscribe button and please share with your friends. Until next time, thank you again for listening.